Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. And every time we get together, if you've listened before, you know we're having conversations about ministry, uh, about missions, about the personal life of leaders, what is it like to, to live life as a leader in the church. And, uh, and so this week, we're going to have a conversation that kind of recaps a conversation we had at the Certainty Conference this year. And if you've been around Living Faith Fellowship for any matter of time, you know that the Certainty Conference is our annual doctrinal conference that we have at First Baptist Church in New Philadelphia. Now, this year with the pandemic, things were really crazy. Uh, this we're talking about mid-October and things were crazy in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, we decided to take the morning sessions and carve those out just for pastors to have a conversation about how they're dealing with all the upheaval in our world from politics to protest to pandemic. And specifically, we looked at how are we examining our world? When we look around and we see all the things that are happening in the news and in our communities, how are we examining those things in light of what scripture says? And then from there, how are we enduring through those things and how are we evangelizing despite those things? And so I have Pastor Alan Shelby here with me from Harvest Baptist Church, good friend of mine, who had a lot to share uh, at the conference. And, and, and he did a really great job of kind of summarizing uh, a position that, uh, that that he believes that leaders and pastors and Christians should have. And so I wanted to invite, invite him here to be uh, a part of the postscript and have a conversation about this. So Pastor Allen, welcome. Yes, thank you. Glad to be here. So just as we get in, maybe tell us about how the Certainty Conference was for you, how beneficial those morning sessions were, and what did you walk away with in terms of ministry and life? Yeah, and I i mean, I didn't have a major part other than the the minor player that I am in the Living Faith Fellowship. Well, that we all know that's not true, but um, we'll but, entertain that. You know, there are times, there are times in history when <clears throat> the men and the moment just kind of meet. And yeah. I, I don't mean that in a misogynistic way. I'm just alliterating here. Yeah. Okay? So when the people and the time just kind of meet. Mm-hmm. And that was a... Um, particular moment uh, where there are a lot of things were sur- swirling around all at once yeah. of what what I came to refer to as the three P's, the pandemic, protests, and politics. Mm-hmm. Everything was coming to a head kind of right at that time. Yeah. And to be able to go out there and, you know, and I really have to commend um, Pastor Bartell and the flexibility that he exhibited that they had to kind of change the whole, change the topic of the conference, change the format of the conference. So I know some people might have been um, discouraged that the morning sessions were not for everyone, so they were just pastor sessions. But uh, we really didn't do any secret handshakes or anything like no, that, so no. you didn't miss much uh, in that sense. But they were very edifying and encouraging, yeah. I think, for the people who were there Um pastors and staff and others uh, who could who could experience that so they yeah, you agree. know he had taken Monday Tuesday and Wednesday morning and broken it down into um, examine endure and evangelize mm-hmm. and that really recentered us so well examine watch all things so you have to notice what's happening in yeah. society and in culture. Yeah, you can't be oblivious. The, uh, right, with the three Ps or um, 
you know, the fourth P we had after that, the polar vortex. So examine, endure, endure afflictions. Now that that was completely crossways to a lot of what was being said politically. Mm-hmm. Endure afflictions, evangelize. At the bottom line, the most important thing, do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. And um, so it was so good because uh, particularly at that period of time, I think we just had a lot of people in our churches who were buying into false narratives mm-hmm. about, number one, about what was happening, number two, about what was going to happen, number three, about what their role should be in, sure. in society and in everything that was going on. Yeah. And so so with that, you know, because I, like, I have questions about that. I want to hear more about that. But I want to ask uh, that you maybe for a second just answer the question. You know, with the polarization in our in our world in our country, the same kind of polarization happens in the the community of our churches, right? So we can feel the tribalism taking place. We can feel the tension. We can feel the differing views sometimes coming in conflict with each other and. And, uh, and people have to reconcile those differences. And that's what being a part of a family is about. So with that in mind, how should Christians gauge where we're at at this moment in time when they look around them? How should they assess what they see in a contextualized way and do so in a way that avoids that tribalization? Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I don't get so concerned that people are faced with the situation where they have to reconcile their differences. What grieves me as a pastor is when people in the church say that those that these ancillary things at, at that moment happen to be what I would describe as the three Ps. These mm-hmm. ancillary things, pandemic and how we approach it, mm-hmm. politics, uh, protests, they let those ancillary things become irreconcilable mm. differences. Um, uh, you know, that grieves me. You know, some people like to read the King James and then a modern version that helps explain it. So I'm a little bit of a nerd, I guess. I like to sometimes read the King James and some of the prior English versions that led up to it. Mm-hmm. Psalm 4, verse 2. And I think this, to me, this described the time that we were in and are still going to be in for some time. Mm-hmm. Psalm 4, verse 2, O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How are you doing that? How are we turning the glory of God into shame? He says, by loving vanity... And seeking lies. Hmm. Selah. Stop and think about that. I mean, really stop and think about that. Number one, Selah is kind of a rest musically maybe. Stop. Mm-hmm. So let's stop and think. Let's give a pause there. But secondly, Selah, I think, is often connected to tribulation type things. Things like, It's like, okay, stop and think about this because you're only, when you do that, when you are seeking lies or seeking leasing, as the King James says, mm-hmm. when you're seeking lies, you're turning God's glory into shame. And that's exactly where the Antichrist 
is going to be in things. Right. And I just it you know I just saw too many Christians getting involved in conspiracy conspiratorial thinking, right? And feeling motivated uh, rather than motivated to get the gospel out or get people out of that mess, mm-hmm. they're motivated to I don't know take down the conspiracy or whatever role they think they might should have in doing those type things. Right. And when you get involved in the conspiratorial thinking, it just, boy, it just sucks the life out of any evangelistic outreach. So, you know, that makes me think, what is it that causes people to be so intrigued by conspiracy? What what draws them into it? Because it's swirling and no matter what side of the aisle you exist on or what part of the spectrum, you know, politically or ideologically you live in, we are surrounded by disinformation campaigns. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but, yeah. but there is truth and it's been mingled. And, um, and sometimes you don't really know where to go, you know, like honestly, just as a human being, you don't, you don't know where to go to get answers, at least, you know, outside of scripture. And so, but what is it that's happening that that is drawing people to be tantalized by the um, fantastic in the media. Well, and the world is always drawn to that. What is it that's drawing Christians into that? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the shame is that the reason people get drawn to that, if you don't have an absolute standard of certainty, you try and find that certainty someplace else. Mm-hmm. So you do seek for a narrative that is going to explain it all. Okay, so that's on your side. On your side, you are looking for something that gives you comfort because it is a narrative that tells you why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we want we want the underlying narrative to make sense uh, so that we can make sense of what's on the surface. So when we only have bits and pieces, we want people want to peek behind the curtain so they can see the inner workings because they're looking f- for peace in their external world. Right. Which so is we- which is uh, theologically actually incongruent with our view of the end times to begin with. You know, maybe I'm jumping ahead of you, but eschatologically, I think we all anticipated that, that there were going to be bad days. And we weren't going to have all the answers. Right. And it's not its not that dispensationalists would say fatalistically like the Calvinists do, that the world is headed to hell in a handbag. Let it go there. I mean, that's that's part of what has to happen before Jesus comes. Right. And that and that we acquiesce to that. That's not that's not, right. not what we're saying at right. all. But yes, we should understand that is exactly where the world is at. But that's to me, that's all the more argument that that is not where we should be at. Right. I don't have to. I, I can get my certainty from the Bible without having to feel like I have the answer why from an underlying conspiracy about what's being, ha- you know, what's happening and what's going on. It can't be a conspiracy. If it's known to so many people, I'm just saying. So there's certain things we're talking about conspiratorial ideas. Okay, are they are they contrails or are they chemtrails? Okay, so when the airplane flies, is that a is that a condensation trail? Mm-hmm. Innocent, 
Or is it a chemical trail because they're seeding and spiking our air with certain things? Right. Causing cancer. And, and the number of people to pull off that deception, well, it, it can't be a conspiracy if you got that many people involved. That's right. not a conspiracy. Right. I will say that the only conspiracy that we have anything to do with and should be concerned about are ones that are revealed to us in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when God takes Ezekiel and says, hey, come with me, I'm going to take you to the temple. I'm going to show you behind the curtain. So I'm going to be Toto for you today. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pull back the curtain on the Wizard of Oz. And you're going to see back there, you see them, you see what they're worshiping, you see what they're doing. So it was a conspiracy, but God revealed it right. in the Word of God. Yeah. Those are the conspiracies that we should be concerned about. Why? Because this world is not our home. What's revealed to us by the Word of God is that conspiracy is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Mm-hmm. And not, we don't, it's not flesh and blood. Right. It's principalities and powers in heavenly places who are working through people. The people we should have a compassion toward and an evangelistic mindset toward a soul consciousness about. We've been completely distracted. How, how much of this would you parallel with Gnosticism? Like, how would you make that parallel? Number one, we like a sense of certainty that that we seem to be able to find if we tie everything together. Yeah. Number two, it is filthy lucre. So there are individuals who can monetize what they're putting out there. Mm -hmm. And if they can take two coincidental events and get you to thinking conspiratorially as if they were planned yeah. in some way, they make money off of selling that type of secret knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that all that is is Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. And so so why why do people fall for it? They want certainty. And secondly, they want knowledge. So there is that Gnostic aspect um, because, uh, you know, it seems like uh, the people who are monetizing what the slander that they're putting out, uh, and able to get away with it, even after they might have been convicted for it, but you know, keep on doing things on mm -hmm. their radio program and their and their YouTube channel. Um, okay, they're they're selling secret knowledge, and so we become public unsecret Gnostics, yeah, because we're buying their secret knowledge. And and it speaks to the power of ideas too, because ultimately, and I think you've already alluded to this that when we subscribe to a certain way of thinking, it will absolutely impact our actions. So Eve subscribed to a way of thinking. Um, you know, the serpent made connections between things that she had not yet drawn those conclusions. And once those connections were made, it affected her action and her behavior. And I think one of the things that we're seeing happening is that the more Christians are prone to take their head out of the book and look out on the landscape and get their ideology from the world or from these outlets, they're being robbed, maybe not of, you know, they're not being robbed of their salvation, but they're being robbed of their purpose. Their purpose is being depleted. Yeah. And someone has said that the battle is for the mind. Mm -hmm. But if you lose the battle for the Bible, you've lost the battle for the mind. Right. Because the only way you will win the battle for the mind is with the mind of Christ, 
And so, you know, I would encourage our viewers, our listeners, to take their concordance and look up that phrase, mind of Christ, Mm -hmm. and see if it does not refer exactly to the Word of God itself. That is the mind of Christ. Right. So if you if you lose the battle for the Bible, as most Christians, even evangelical Christians, have done today, those in evangelicaldom who were supporting all of these pandemic protests politics, if you lose the battle for the Bible, you've, you're going to lose the battle for the mind mm-hmm. because you do not have the mind of Christ about what is happening and what you are being told so that you can think critically and get back your righteous mind about how Mm -hmm. to evaluate life and, Mm -hmm. you know, live your life by the mind of Christ so that you can be Christ-like. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You know, I I heard a a Christian podcaster ask, you know, are we supposed to be lions or lambs, you know, regarding these different different issues, right? So issues that are in the news and the media constantly, things that are pressing in the media and and where there's strong differing views, issues of ab- abortion, which is a, is you know a justice issue or issues of, of racism and things like this. Um, you know, the conversation seemed to land on, you know, the answer is somewhere in between or both, you know, lion and lamb you know, at different times applying them on a, you know, in a diversity of ways. But but the, the, the conversation implied that Jesus was a fighter, and they emphasize that because I think that's where Christians want him to be, right? They want him to be that fighter, the idea that Jesus wasn't submissive or quiet, but he was, he was active. He was an activist who fought. Um, and this language feeds into, you know, a, a social gospel conversation, as it, as it pushes that agenda, I wanted to ask you, should we be willing and ready to fight for issues like these? Yeah, so with with um, Christian podcasters like that, or mm-hmm. you know those who would say that, so that is that's a typical postmodern, modern evangelical viewpoint, actually, just like it is in in other in other places with other topics. So is it heaven or hell? Well, yes, they exist in parallel. Right. And, and it's, You're referring you know, to our Rob Bell yes, conversation. Part of the story and all yeah. of that. And Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Hi, my name is Miles Cheadle, and LFBI is an incredible asset for anybody that wants to, to learn and to grow on their knowledge of the Word of God. And not just that, but to apply it uh, in ministry and to grow as a minister Uh, You have incredible uh, preachers and pastors and missionaries uh, that aren't just teaching the Word of God, but they they live it out in their everyday lives. And so it makes the insights that they share incredibly practical uh, for day-to-day ministry. Uh, Again, this is a place to to continually be challenged in the Word. Uh, We don't want to be people that go stagnant in our walks. Uh, We need to be put in remembrance. And so even if you say, man, I learned these things years ago, well, we need to be put in remembrance and to continue to trust God to grow and to stretch us and to equip us to invest in others. And so if you haven't already, this is something that you want to be a part of. Uh, and so I just I encourage you to consider that. Uh, thank you. Bye. If that interests you at all, please visit lfbi.org and consider enrolling in classes. Okay, so so are we supposed to be lying or 
or lamb. I mean, is there not a moment in this life where we are supposed to be lions? And I suppose what disturbed me um, somewhat at the at the time and just prior to uh, you know to the stuff that going on the conference and so forth, um, you know, I had heard a uh, certain Christian podcaster. And uh, had he, he had interviewed a guy named John Lennox, uh, mm-hmm. pol- apologetics, you know, yeah. apologist, and and really good. And I thought, man, this guy's great, and you know, he does great interviews. And then they had a rally at uh, in Washington called the Jericho Rally, and mm-hmm. got up and said, "Look, I'm willing to shed my blood." And it was over a political idea, over a political idea. Mm. So, okay. Who said this? Well, so this was Eric Metaxas. Okay. The interviewer on the on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. The um the um interviewer who wrote the biography of uh Dietrich Bonhoeffer and yeah, you know right. very generously pulls Bonhoeffer into the evangelical camp. Yep. I think his latest biography is on Martin Luther. I'm I think that's where he might get some lion stuff from, but um, this is also the Eric Metaxas that as he was walking from the White House after a, a um, ceremony on the lawn, uh, you know, cold cocked a protester on a bike. Okay, why? I, you know, okay, I guess that's, you know, so obviously to be consistent with what you're saying, I guess you stand up, tell everybody else in the crowd, you should be willing to shed blood over this political idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who say that were back to the same two things that Satan is using to distract, detract, and pull away, particularly evangelicals, into his own agenda. And so we're back to the church has replaced Israel and its attendant anti-Semitism. And so now we are, we are saying that Christians in this dispensation must be lions as well as lambs, mm-hmm. which is dispensationally incorrect. Right. So it's incorrect by the Bible. Right. So Paul says... I die daily. And he wasn't talking about for a political idea or for freedom or for patriotism or for the Roman Republic or for the Jewish nation. or for he, When he said, I die daily, that is not what he was talking about. Mm. He's dying daily because his central theme at all times with all people in all places is the gospel. It is Christ. He never says... You know, I'm a prisoner of Nero. Mm-hmm. Nero's imprisoned me. You know, right. I wish you guys would pray. Get me out of here. Yeah. You know, I need to be free to do da da da. And and you know how Nero is. And really, you know, it, and, and there's this conspiracy and da da. Right. You know, he is. He never once says he's a prisoner of any anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder how many of us are willing to die daily. Yeah. That's and I good. think the prepositions are important because Galatians 2.20 does say, for I'm crucified with Christ. Mm-hmm. So we are, and it, it is ongoing, and as it should be, because it's preparing us for ruling and reigning with him. So practically, when we you know uh, engage the world 
as believers. And uh, we desire, we desire to be evangelical. We desire to serve the Lord, to live as uh, debtors to his grace. When we do that, we are going to come in contact with information. I mean, it swirls around us. Uh, you know, I think it's, you know, like something like a quarter to half of a 18-year-old's year in a span of 365 days is spent scrolling on social media. I mean, I think the statistics are yeah. incredibly staggering. Yeah. Um, so we live in a kind of Babylonian uh, world yeah. where there's hev- heavy cultural influence being pressed on us all the time. What do we do with disinformation? What do we do? How do we sift through it? And how do we practically apply scripture to help us see through it? Yeah. And that was one of the questions that came up at the Certainty Conference with these converging influences of the three Ps. Mm-hmm. And and everything that we see in society and everything you can scroll through on social media and everything, all the competing voices right. and seemingly competing uh, evidences, then how do you sort things out? And I said, okay, I, for me, it's just, I just make it real simple. So I'm not a very complicated or sophisticated, you know, smart person. So I figured, why don't I just run my life like I read my Bible? So I need to run my life like I read my Bible. So this is the logic of biblical authority. I will, I call it the logic of biblical authority mm-hmm. because we tend to say, well, I heard. Mm-hmm. Which means, or we say, it's all over the internet, which means, you know, we delve down into the Gnostic secret knowledge of certain YouTubers that think that they know, um, you know, how um, it had to right. be a conspiracy because there couldn't have been a ma- magic bullet or, or whatever. Right. So, okay. So uh, I know I want to run my life. Like I read my Bible, which means I'm going to go with explicit propositional statements and and evidence and try and set aside the human ideas and opinion. So I just listed several things. Mm -hmm. So number one, um, do not dismiss facts just because they seem contradictory or confuse you. So at the time, and, and and for some months before that, there were issues. Let me just pull out an example with the pandemic and masks. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, should we wear masks or not wear masks? Right. And how much is that infringement upon our rights and our liberties and freedom? And and you know, um, any any little particle can get in between anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so there's some conflicting stuff you could get confused by but you know i don't want to i don't want to do that i i don't want to just dismiss the facts and say well i don't i don't have to make a decision i'm going to just go with you know how i feel i'm just going to do what i think is right and just and just dismiss it because you think you can't understand it Mm -hmm. because usually the the you know i'm an introvert so i don't like conflict and i don't like arguing with people so i I tend to always just bottom line it. Okay, bottom line. Um, 
wearing masks, wearing masks cuts down transmission 80%. That's, that is the only um, herd immunity you're going to get right now. Now, someone would say, well, I don't know where you get those figures. Well, the Lancet. You know, I get, I get them from kind of peer-reviewed journals. And, and you know, I, I have to be able to run my life the way I read my Bible. How mm-hmm. is that? Well, number two, go with the information that has the eyewitness majority behind it. Mm-hmm. So I cross-reference my scriptures. I don't, I don't take any private interpretation. I cross-reference a scripture. So why would I not go to s- some peer-reviewed? Right. Now, obviously, if you say that, that that is a conspiracy, again, you're back to the same problem. You've made the cons- if it's that big, it's not a conspiracy. If all the peers, <laughs> right, who are peer reviewing, yeah, then well, then it's not a conspiracy anymore. Yeah, and if it's known, it's not a conspiracy. So now, now I kind of have to go with the things that would say, uh, okay, yeah, you know, tw- uh, twenty-five, st- you know, whatever it was, fourteen studies of twenty-five thousand people at the at the earliest point. Okay, it cuts down transmission 80%. I, okay, I think I can go with that. Yeah. Despite the fact that any given particle, you know, because it does seem like there's certain load, you know, that you would have to get. For right. It to re- okay, so it, I mean, okay, so I'll go with that. I, I, wanna, I, want, I want to not dismiss the facts just because I can't understand them. Sure. Boil it down to the bottom line. I want to go with information that has, I want to be a Berean. Basically, I, I, I want to uh, be like Dr. Luke did in writing his gospel in the book of Acts. I want to go back to original sources. That's what mm-hmm. he said he did. Right. Let me go back to original sources, not to the Gnostic monetized YouTube-ish mm-hmm. ideas. Number three, you cannot use a hard case to overthrow clear conclusions, right? So I got to run my life like I read my Bible. I can't use a hard case to overthrow it. So, okay, one verse Paul talks about someone being baptized for the dead. Mm -hmm. Now that, okay, that might be a hard verse unless you interpret it in light of all the clear ones. Right. If you're not going to interpret in light all the clear ones, well, then you can make it mean all sorts of things. Right. So I can't. I can't do that. I can't. Um, you know, I've got to. I. 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 I got to take the stuff that's clear, and then judge the stuff that's not clear by it, and then I'll kind of know which way to go, and and which direction to land, and that makes it a little clearer mm-hmm. in sorting out where should I be as a Christian. Right particularly related to pandemic protest politics where should i be on those things okay let me let me get the things that are clear and don't use the stuff that's unclear to overthrow it stuff that's debatable right. stuff yeah. that's in between yeah. stuff that stuff we'd refer to as fringe yeah fringe and theoretical yeah or so let me give an example on that because now the now it's not so much masks related to the pandemic, but it's going to be vaccines. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the next thing. Yeah. And the, I'll admit the media doesn't help us out sometimes because the media will focus on the one person who got corona 
right after they yeah, had they the second vaccination shot. They highlight the exceptions. Yeah. It's called sensationalism. Yes. But we were told at the front end that at the best, the best of the vaccines are 95%. They're right. 95. Well, that means you should expect out of 10 million doses, sure. more than one. Which is how all vaccines work, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You should expect some that, yes, okay. Right. I, get, I seem to get the flu every but year. But does that I get mean the you shouldn't take the vaccine? Right. Well, I mean, you may not take the vaccine, but not based on that shouldn't be the thing that yeah. makes you decide because yeah. that is an exception to overthrow the rule. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not valid. You can't use a hard case to overthrow clear stuff. Otherwise, you don't know which way to go. So I right. just run my life like I read my Bible. And, um, and uh, so then number four, not using those exceptions to deny the rule. Um, you know, I've, I've had people say, because on, on the topic of things like that, I know, you know, and I know this is going to be an issue going forward, vac vaccinations. You know, I've always looked at it like Jonathan Edwards basically gave his life for the Indians by taking a vaccination. Because at that time in New England, tribes of in, whole tribes of Indians were dying from the smallpox and mm -hmm. so forth that came through the European settlers. Right. And so Jonathan Edwards is like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take a vaccination. And I know that part of his calculation, because he was concerned about evangelism on the frontier, was I'm going to do this so I don't infect those people with, right. he didn't know it was a virus, but they had discovered that they, how they could solve the transmission. Right. So he, he was got, motivated by love. Yeah, he was motivated by love. He got a bad batch. Yeah. And he died. Well, okay. You know, there are a certain small percentage in, in, in whom either it is a, uh, they have, there's a bad interaction or it doesn't work, but that's, that doesn't overthrow the rest. Mm -hmm. And I can't use those exceptions to prove the rule. And I know we have, it, it surprises me when we have such faulty thinking, even on the part of sometimes medical people and people who will say, well, you know, I thought we stamped out polio. Well, I, you don't understand. The virus is still there. The mm -hmm. virus was, we didn't do anything to the virus, but we got so many people who did get vaccinated. Right. There was such herd immunity. The virus couldn't find a person unvaccinated to infect. Therefore, we had zero cases. Therefore, we say that we stamped it out. As soon as we stop vaccinating, you know, we'll be back to not iron lungs in these days right. anymore, but we'll be back to ventilators and whatever yeah. for yeah. polio reasons. Yeah. So, uh, so don't use the exception to overthrow, you mm -hmm. know, the clear rule and deny the rule. A fifth thing, point people to the true truth that you cannot buck God's providence because God's providence has eyes and it had eyes for Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it has eyes for Paul in Acts chapter 27. Mm -hmm. uh, God's providence has eyes. So I, you can't buck God's providence. So don't, you know, don't say, I'm not going to go with, ex, you know, what is kind of needs to be done to protect society so I can eventually get the gospel to them. 
uh, because, you know, I might catch it anyway. Well, if you do all of that, if you wear a mask, if you take a vaccine, if you do all of that and you still get it, that was God's providence. Yeah. Let it be his providence. Right. Trust his providence. Sure. Don't do it because you brought it on yourself. Don't make it a matter of consequence instead of providence. And God's providence, we can trust it because it has eyes. So here's Paul in Acts 27 and and uh, says to the centurion, look, Jesus appeared to me last night and he said, we're going to lose the ship and lose the cargo. No soul will be lost. And then some people on the boat started getting in the life, life rafts. And Paul said, ah, God's providence has eyes. Mm-hmm. And God sees them doing that. Now, if you're not going to trust what I told you from my God so he can prove to you that and to them that he is God, mm-hmm. then all bits are off. Right. And, the, you know, so God's providence had decided a certain thing. But as in all of our lives, there's free will. Uh, and and it has eyes to see whenever you choose to step out of the path that he's showing you clearly. Right. And we'll adjust to that. Mm-hmm. I would rather trust myself to God's providence than to my own consequence, you sure. know, bring in bad consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so number six, admit that the conspiracy is by the cabal that the Bible says it is, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yeah. I have no need to look any further. And since the fight is not against people, but principalities and powers, then, okay, that uh, I need to be concerned with getting people out of the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Mm -hmm. And uh, final thing was the only valuable free speech is for the word of God. It is for the word of God to have free course and freely speaking the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the most valuable free speech. And, you know, it's, it seems not unreasonable to me that in a country with free speech, you nevertheless do not have the right to yell fire in a crowded theater if there is no fire, mm-hmm. because it will cause a stampede and people will be killed. Right. So you don't have that much, you don't have free speech to freely do that. Yeah. And we put, we understand that limitation in other areas of society. We're now in new, in different areas that are similar. Mm-hmm. And we want to cloud, you know, you can't, you know, can't curb that and you can't curb that and you can't curb that. You know what? As long as they don't curb the gospel, because that was the one thing, Paul's emphasis in times like these was for us to pray and to focus on our own godliness and honesty, and that there would be peace so that in doing that, we can get the gospel to those who are lost. Mm -hmm. So that is what I would mean by saying, I just just run my life like I read my Bible. That's what I get from my Bible, that let me run my life that way. Yeah, and I think, you know, in short, I think it's, there's there's a hierarchy in our critical thinking and we have to be able to prioritize certain ideas that are more concrete over the ones that seem to be um, outside of the clear uh, uh, truths that we have. And I think that, that what you're providing us with is, an, is a filtration system 
to run through run ideas through a hierarchy, uh, a priority of concepts, critical thinking. Yeah. The Bible is incredibly logical, and it makes uh, our purposes incredibly clear. And anything that falls outside of that and those exceptions um, ought to be relegated to low priority, right? They should yeah. enter in. They should enter yeah. into the fray, if you will. Right, because we've got to get our comfort from the certainty we have in God's word, mm -hmm. not the certainty we think we can put on life situations, world situations, political situations, if we are told or assume that this other thing is going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Well, that is a temporal, fleeting comfort because it will always be something new happening that will be causing distress. Mm -hmm. So the only certain comfort you can get is from the certainty in the Word of God, from biblical authority, going back to that. And then from that, use that to get the gospel to those who are lost and get them into discipleship. And mm -hmm. so you're back to evangelism, discipleship, and missions. Yeah. And um, praying that we have both the peace and the freedom to do those things. Right. And vote in such a way that it will, uh, as much as we can with our vote, ensure that it, that, that will take place. Yeah. Well, Pastor Allen, that's really good, man. Thank you for, for giving us that insight and that understanding. Um, is there anything you just want to share in closing? Well, so... Just in closing, I'd say, number one, get your strength from the Bible and its exposition. Draw strength from that. Mm -hmm. Draw strength from the Word of God and someone who is preaching expositorily what, what you can get out of the Word of God. Number two, engage the three Ps only when necessary and then leave it. Mm -hmm. that's, not, that's not the center. That's not where the focus no. is at. Right. Uh, so engage it and leave it. You know, right. someone, I saw a post one time and someone had commented, amateurs talk about tactics, professionals think about logistics. Hmm. And um, the three Ps are tactics. And we need to think about logistics of getting the gospel out. We need to we need to pre God. Here's what God is doing. He's pre-planting opportunities mm -hmm. in the people we know and in their hearts and in the uncertainty and in the anxiety and in the stress. He is pre-planting opportunities we need to follow up with. Mm -hmm. And uh, so engage, you know, uh, talk about the three P's only necessary to get onto the subject of the gospel. Yeah. And then finally, com commit things to God and commend things to the word of his grace mm -hmm. that is what paul did at the bottom line so whenever he had to leave some place where he had just won people to christ and just newly saved disciples or whenever he had to send someone off timothy or titus you know and a lot of intervening insecurities in between and he really missed them and you know he's clear about that that is what he would do he would talk about commending them to god and, and to the word of his grace, mm -hmm. commit them to God. Yeah. Let that be good enough mm. and, and go, on be, go on being crucified in Christ. I, we have a lot to think about. 
um, I really appreciate you wanting to bring this this subject up. And I think it is beneficial the same way it was for us in our conversation at the Certainty Conference. I think we all walked away with, with a level of clarity. I, I hope that this conversation, inviting our audience into this conversation, will do the same for them. So thank you, Pastor. Yeah, praise the Lord. And we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, we do live in a crazy mixed up world. And um, I think we all fall prey at times uh, to to being enveloped in ideas and concepts uh, that come in conflict with our priorities scripturally. And we do have to check that. We have to learn how to, to, to check that. And the best way to do that is to, to become a biblicist, uh, is to be discipled in God's word and understand how to divide his word rightly so that it does apply to our life. Um, and so we want to invite you to consider learning God's word more fully. And uh, we ask that you'd, you'd visit lfbi.org, Living Faith Bible Institute's website. You can learn about all the classes that we offer uh, from semester to semester to help equip the believer to be a leader and to be uh, a missionary and to be uh, uh, an, an evangelist, as we've talked about today. And we are offering a class actually this summer. So if you're thinking about what classes you might enroll in, we're going to be offering a class this summer called Speech and Reasoning, where we talk about the consequences of ideas and how they've kind of uh, unfolded over time in the West and, uh, and what God's Word says about specific ideas so that we can learn how to filter through the, the craziness in our world. And so we want to invite you to check out Speech and Reasoning as we enter uh, the summer courses. But we love you. We're thankful for you. Uh, continue to share and to like and to review our episodes. Uh, we will see you next week. Between now and then, we pray that God will bless you in your ministry. Bye.